Come on, give Jesus the glory that is due unto his name. Come on, glorify. Come on, let us magnify his name together. Come on, give him the glory. God, you are great and wonderful and awesome and mighty and majestic in all of your ways. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for your life, your death, your burial, and your resurrection, Father. You are our healer. You're our deliverer, Father. Oh, you are everything that we need, Jesus, and we thank you that you paid the ultimate price so that we can walk in all the victory that we have today. You're our deliverer. Father, we didn't come today to get delivered, Father. We acknowledge that we've already been delivered over 2,000 years ago. And Father, I'm led right now. I hear that. Is there someone in here today you need a greater awareness of that? Is there someone in here you're actually going through something that you believe you need to be delivered from? Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. You're going through something right now. Look all around the room. You're going through something right now that you believe you need to be delivered from. Okay? I want everyone around them to get in agreement with this. Stretch your hands towards them. Put your hand on their shoulder. I just heard that in my spirit right there. What the Lord told me to tell you is that if you'll just begin to praise him, you'll begin to thank him in advance you'll get a revelation that he's already delivered you from that situation. And so, Father, we join our faith with them right now. And we declare, Father, over 2,000 years ago, you delivered them out of that situation that they're in right now. And so, Father, we release it into their lives. We release a greater awareness of them, Father, and we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Now go ahead and release your praise like you're already delivered from it. Come on, go ahead and release your praise. Come on, thank him that you're already delivered. Come on, give him the glory. Come on, sing a little bit more of that. Sing a little bit more. about that name anybody know that there's power in that name there's authority in that name on the count of three let's just give a shout to that name okay on the count of three let's just shout the name of about five seconds to do that okay on the count of three one two three Jesus now go ahead and give that name the glory Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Father. Thank you for giving us the name of Jesus. It is the name that is above every other name. It has authority in three realms, heaven, earth, and hell. Oh, we have victory through that name. Healing through that name. Deliverance through that name. Prosperity through that name. You granted us complete wholeness. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. You all can be seated out there. Today is graduation Sunday. I apologize, but I just love the name of Jesus. Anybody else in here love the name of Jesus? That name has changed my life for the rest of my life. And so today is graduation and scholarship Sunday. And so... We want to just acknowledge uh, some of our outstanding high school seniors 
uh, who are graduating this year and have earned our linked up scholarship. And this number will go up uh, in the coming years. We've been doing this same number for since I was a youth pastor, and that was about 20-something years ago. And so that number will grow up uh, in the future. Uh, but the people who qualified had to submit a scholarship application. They had to have a 3.0 grade point average based on a 4.0 scale, uh, two recommendation letters, and then an acceptance letter uh, to a college or university. And of course, they had to be a member of Linked Up Church and an active participant in the student ministry. So I'm going to ask uh, our youth minister, Minister Nehemiah Ray, would you all give him a big round of applause? He will come, have some brief words, and then he'll introduce our recipients this year. All righty, all righty. So we are really excited for our graduates. We're excited for everybody that graduated this year. So if you're a graduate, just clap it up real quick. Clap it up for the graduates. Um, so we'll be introducing uh, some of the lovely contestants that qualified. These students worked hard. And Linked Up Church is an awesome church because we reward them and give them scholarships to go to school. I mean, I've never heard that before, so this is just amazing. The first contestant that we wanted to announce, her name is Nia Ray Allen. She attended Wheeler High School. She had a GPA of 3.46. The, the college that she will be attending is Georgia State University. She has a major in business administration. Y'all make some noise for Miss Allen. Recipient. Recipient. The next recipient we will be receiving is Zoe Snyder. Zoe attended North Cobb High. She had a GPA of 3.589. She will be attending Georgia Gwinnett College, and her major will be biomedical engineering. The next recipient will be Ashley Lowe. Ashley attended Alatoona High School. She has a GPA of 3.625. The college she will be attending is Kennesaw University, and her major will be software engineer. The next contestant will be Naya Williams. She attended Campbell High School. She has a GPA of 3.859. She'll be attending uh, Miles College, and her major will be psychology. So y'all make some noise in that. Our next recipient will be Joelle Gregory. She, uh, she attended Greater Atlanta Christian. Uh, her GPA was a 3.9, and she will be attending UGA with a psychology degree. So you all make some noise for our contestants. Y'all make some noise for our contestants today. Praise God. Aren't they a good-looking group? We, a we actually have a couple of more that weren't able to be just present here at the service on the day. So we actually have a total of uh, eight or seven recipi recipients on this year. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is the 2018 uh, recipients of our Linked Up Scholarship. That's a $1,500 scholarship that will go directly uh, to the schools that they've been accepted into. Great achievements. Let's give them another big round of applause. Of course, you all know that's a special one right there on the end of that line right there. She makes her parents proud. I want to give a real shout out to her mother, uh, who really provides a lot of the nurturing and has done that uh, really for both of our kids for all of their lives. And so uh, I just want to acknowledge that it takes an entire team. And she is a great wife, great mother. And uh, just has been there uh, making sure that those kids get, get the things done. We've got a son. He's got next, so you all will see him. He doesn't have an option. You all will see him up here in two years. Uh, 
because we have standards in that house. And so uh, if you're also a graduate from a trade school, Votech school, community college, college, and you're in this service today, would you please stand to your, your feet? Graduate degree, postgraduate, please stand to your feet. Come on, Linked Up Church. We, we, we value achievement here. Come on, let's do even better than that. Let's do better than that. Congratulations to you. And of course, uh, we have a reception that will be held uh, in their honor on today. How many of y'all are ready for the Word of God today? Praise God. I want to welcome you if you're watching uh, via any of our live stream platforms today. Again, the best way to follow us uh, is through the Uversion Bible app. Go to the events section. Uh, pull up Linked Up Church, and the two points that we're covering today will be right there. You can go back and listen to any of the messages that we've taught up to this point on SoundCloud. If you're in the building today and you have not taken step one, the essential habits of a healthy believer, you can do so today right in between services. So right after this service and just prior to the next service. And we're going to continue today. We're on a series entitled Excel in the Grace of Giving. And because my time is slightly shortened today, I've got a testimony that I want to read to you all, but I'll, I'll share it on uh, next week. I believe you'll be thoroughly blessed. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, and let's just read our foundation text, and then we're going to get into our, our new information on today. We'll go by uh, just the points that we've shared up to this point, uh, and then we'll get right to the new information. We've got a lot to cover today as we're honoring our graduates, and so we want to be timely, and then we have to get out early uh, after the second service, so I want to make sure I discipline myself uh, during this service. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. When you get there, say amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. It says, but just as you excel in everything. So Paul, writing to this church at Corinth, he's acknowledging that they are excelling in everything. Then he goes to define some of the areas that they're excelling in. And he also said that they lead the way, the Amplified Bible says. They lead the way in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in genuine concern for others, and for their love for us. And so these are all graces that you can find in Romans chapter 12. And he's literally saying that they're excelling in these graces. But notice how he encourages them uh, just beyond that. He says, but see that you excel in this gracious work or in the grace of giving also. And so God has called us to grow in our giving. And we know since it's a grace, some of us have the gift to give. How many of y'all believe you just, you're, you're a gifted giver? It's a grace on your life to be a blessing to other people. How many of y'all believe that? I believe that about myself. So as some of us have the grace to give. Everyone is called to give. But some of us operate in a special grace to do it. But he's encouraging the entire group here to see that they excel in this grace of giving. And the word excel means to exceed. It means to increase, to be better, to go of, over and above. So we should all seek to grow in our giving. We shouldn't give that Baptist dollar our whole lives. I need a little stronger amen in that, right? We should grow, right? And the more you mature as you're learning and the more revelation you get about God's grace and how good he's been to you, how many know that's a natural response that you want to give more? It's a natural response that comes along with that. And so really we've been into about eight areas up to this point or really seven areas up to this point, uh, six areas, and we'll do seven and eight on today. And so uh, point number one, uh, we said here that giving is an expression of the grace of God. The more grace that we receive, we naturally respond through our giving, more revelation we have about it. Number two, giving can be a charisma, as we mentioned, of the spirit or a grace of the spirit. And if you don't have it, you can believe for it because I'm telling you, there's something in it that you'll see today that will be a great blessing to you. And then number three, uh, we talked about the finished work of the cross should inspire our giving. When you think about all, you know, if he did nothing else but save me from hell. Okay, I got three people in here. I said, if he did nothing else but save me from hell, I want to support him for the rest of my life. 
But he did so much more. He healed my body and allows me to walk in divine health. He provides and meets all of my needs, right? So that finished work should inspire our giving. Number four, uh, one of my favorites, give according to your ability, right? And so everyone, you know, can't give the 10%. I would never tell you not to. It's a starting point. It's a goal. It gives us something to aspire to, right? But everyone should give something with the goal of achieving 10%. And then as you grow, you want to grow beyond that. Better amen. amen. All right, let's keep going. Number five, give according to your ability is an important one. It liberates people, right? I don't think God will be mad at anyone for trying. And I think he would accept it according to the intent of their heart. And if that intent is shorter, but my goal is to get there, I know a good God is going to help you get to what your desired goal is, right? And I'm going to share some things with you today. I'm going to share some secrets with you today. The goal is equality. So it was never meant that, you know, the, the people who are the most blessed support the whole church. Right? And so what you have is them giving the best they can, the ones on the bottom giving the best that they can. What you end up having is equality. Right? With everyone doing something. We talked about that. And then number six, we'll get where we're going today. Number six is all giving must be carefully supervised. Now, I can tell you, uh, I don't think anyone sent that all around the country, what we talked about on yesterday, uh, on, on last Sunday. But the bottom line is, folks, we are accountable for every penny that you give. And if you designated towards something, you have every responsibility to know the entire amount that came in and what was done with it. Period. And it is wrong for us to tell you that's none of your business. When the reality is we have no business if you didn't give it. So, so if you even think about that, that makes no sense. We couldn't even buy the building if you didn't give resources. We couldn't rebuild the building if you didn't give resources. So it is wrong and actually it's really insulting to your intelligence to tell you it's none of your business. Okay? And so that's important for you to know. The, the bottom line there, I want to make sure I said that. All the examples that we use what you'll see is that Paul's hands never touched the money. That's the bottom line there. So really the pastor's hands should never touch the money. And he should never have complete autonomy over what to do with the money. How many of you know absolute power sometimes can absolutely corrupt people? And so having accountability and measures and parameters in place it not only protects the people, but it protects the, the leader as well, okay? Now, let's pick up new information today. Number seven. You all ready? All right. New information today. Be a great, great blessing to you. Uh, motivated by others. How many you know when other people give, it can motivate us? Would you all agree with that? And so let's read our text here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So we're Moving over to chapter 9, let's read verses 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, it says, Now concerning, I'm reading the New King James Version, Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has already stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest your boasting or lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time. And prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And so point number one up underneath number, point number seven here, Paul boasted of the southern generosity so that the northerners would give generously. And so Paul is really saying, man, this church, this northern church is giving at such a level, he's not doing that to, to, to really cause them to compete against each other. He's using it to motivate them to show that if 
one church can do this. How many know another church can do it also? And the best example I can think of this is, uh, you know, my pastor is Apostle Fred Price. And again, when you have no revelation about things, you challenge and you question everything. So my first time going to one of his conventions, uh, they had what was called, he got up and he said, we're getting ready to have motivational giving. And of course, I never heard of motivational giving. I'm like, what is this? And of course, it's a leadership uh, conference, so I get it. These are all leaders here. And so they're all standing up and they're announcing what they're giving. Of course, I sunk down in my seat like, this is crazy. <laughs> and literally, we had some other people that were there also. Listen to this. It literally grieved me. And I can remember sitting there saying, I'm not standing up. And then the Spirit of God convicted me, right? And so then, of course, we get to go back in the back room. And if you know Apostle Price, don't ask him a question that you have not already studied yourself. And so I asked him about motivational giving. And you know how a father would give you that look like, you idiot? <laughs> Anybody here just have an old grandfather? Oh, you know, they don't care. They just kind of, they will say whatever. First thing comes to their mind, he gave me that look. And I knew what that look meant was simply, if you have not studied this for yourself, don't ask me no questions about it. Especially, really, what, the way I received it, especially if you're a pastor trying to lead other people. Pastors should study first. And so I didn't understand motivational giving. I had no revelation about that. But yet, I could see for the first time in my life, I'd been in church for 20-some years at that time. I had never seen in a church that looks like ours Two million dollars raised at one time. Must be something about this motivational giving. <laughs> All right. And so I can remember getting a check. I stood up and I do it. Still, I did it with no revelation of it. Then the Lord reminded me when I was a youth pastor, we were in a building fund uh, looking to build the building in Southfield. The Lord had just placed it on my heart to challenged the youth department to give $20,000, right, to my motivational giving. And so we raised it how fast? That was interesting. That was like a couple of weeks, kids. That ought to make a lot of us. That should motivate a lot of us, right? $20,000, kids, right? And we stood up on the stage and we presented it to the fund from the youth department. And, man, it inspired every other department within that church. So then the deacons came on board and did something. The children's church came on board and did something. The, every other area in the church, the, the school came on board and did something. And it took us way down the road because one group stood up and motivated everybody else. Now, my first thinking, I want to make sure I disclose all of this. My first thinking was when they did that, I went right to the Bible, legalism, right? I said, now, Matthew said, don't give your alms before people to be seen of them, for you have your reward. Of course, he gets up, and, and then he's teaching on it, and he's telling about how some, some fool said to him uh, that same verse, quote, while I'm thinking it, he's sitting up sharing a testimony about how some fool asked him about giving alms, and he said, giving alms is something that you do individually and on your own for the poor. Motivational giving is something completely different. I began to embrace it. Now, I'm not telling you we will ever. Listen to me carefully. We will never have no lines. Somebody ought to shout glory right there. We will never have anybody stand up. But I actually do agree with sometimes entire departments. Right? And when you've got a good leader over those departments, it's real easy for that leader to lead the people that they serve. And it'll motivate everybody else in the church. I just need a little encouragement, a little support. Somebody give God a little glory in this place today, right? I personally like that. I think that's great. You know, the ministers, they do something. Every little area does something, and it motivates everybody else. All right, let's look at another aspect of this. Number two, then he urges the Southerners to give generously 
so that the northerners will not be disappointed in them. So he's bragging and he's boasting so much uh, on what the northerners do that he's, or will do or have done that he's really encouraging the southerners to get on the same uh, boat there and get involved as well and be encouraged. And he's been boasting on them so much that he sends a team ahead of them to make sure that they actually do what he's been boasting about so that when they show up, won't cause embarrassment or shame to them or to the northerners that he had been boasting about. Now, what you all don't know is that I boast about you all all the time. The biggest question my wife and I get asked is, how did you all do it? How did you pay cash for that building? How did you all do it? And I say every time, and we've just got a generous church of people who love God. And then when I share this part with them, I said, you know, our church is really more than half of the national average in terms of consistency with at least people giving 10%. The national average is about 3 to 4%. Our church is like 12 to 13%. I brag about that all the time. You ought to give yourselves a big round of applause for that. But I really want to give you a greater revelation. Look at what we've been able to do with 13% of our members. And people consider this miraculous. Folks, we're going to march into a building in a couple of months. That's with 13%. Now I'm going to continue bragging that we're going to grow from 13 to 20 then I'm going to brag that we're going to go from 20 to 50%. Then I'm going to brag we're going to go from 50% to 75%. Then I'll start bragging 100% of our church is committed to God in this area. Okay. Here's the gift to you folks is that there will never ever be a building fund. You don't have to have one when everyone does what they're supposed to do. And I would break these numbers down for you. If we've been able to do what we've been able to do with 13%, if we were at 50, we'd own the whole campus already. That's the 33, that's the strip mall, and then we'd be heading on down the road. It's really potentially about 200 acres around us. I'm really trying to build a city. We're going to do it too. Come on, I need five people to just get excited with me over that. Come on, I'm talking about a city with its own senior citizens complex. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a city with its own marketplace ministry. I'm talking about a city with its own master plan communities that all of our members live in. Come on, I'm talking about movie theaters, workout gyms. I'm talking about a whole area where we just get to do life together that belongs to us. Come on, will anybody else dream in here with me today? I'm talking about counseling centers. I'm talking about businesses. I'm talking everything you can think of. We will be self-sufficient and self-contained as a community. Can you see it? Trying to get you to dream a little bit. 13% of our membership has brought us to this point. Let that sink in for a moment, just 13%. That's a blessing. Give God the glory for it, right? But really, in the grand scheme of things, if you received a 13% on your test, would you be shouting? Right? Would you run home to show your parents, look at the 13% I received on my test. So although it's good, how I many know we really need to do way better than that? All right. Now, let's go to point number eight today, which is really where I wanted to get. Focus on the harvest. You know why a lot of people have a real challenge with giving? It's because they only pay attention to what left. And they miss out on what's coming. And so if you can shift your focus from what's leaving to what's coming, it'll change how you do what you do. Let's begin reading here 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll read out of the New King James Version. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read out of the uh, Amplified. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just to save us a little time. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9. Are you there? Now, this will make more sense, and you'll be able to keep it in context, because usually when we do offerings, we only read verses 6 through 8 without the full backdrop and the understanding of everything that is said prior to that and up to that. So really reading it today will make a lot more sense to you. Let's read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 6 says, Now remember this, he who sows sparingly. The word sows means scatters. So this is actually a person that's giving all the time. They're just giving a certain way. The word sparingly means stingily. So, how you know, when you're stingy, that means you have resources, but you choose not to give them. That's a stingy person. Anybody ever been around someone like that? You know they have it, but they will not spend a penny. You ever been around people you got to treat every time? And you know, I remember when I worked not in the ministry somewhere else, all of us make the same money. We all work in the same department, have the same degree, hello somebody, and get paid the same money. And there's some folks in here that's just stingy, just tight. Hold on to everything that they have. Come on, anybody else in here know something like that? Know, know somebody like that? Just so he's not talking about I don't have it. And so I can't give it. He's actually talking about people who give all the time. But they give stingily. I'm loving this enthusiasm in this building today. I don't know if I've ever been in church and saw this level of excitement on the faces of the people when I minister. All right, let's keep going. This I say, he was so stingily. This is, he, they, they're giving all the time. But they'll pull out, see, a hundred, a fifty, a twenty, a ten, a five, and some ones. Which one you think's leaving the pocket? And in their mind, I gave something. But it's not in relationship to how you've received. Now you see in the context here? Let's keep going. But this I say, he which so sparingly will also harvest or reap sparingly or stingily. So that means when your harvest comes, it's a stingy harvest. Right? That's a harvest that wasn't enough. And I wonder where that comes from. Because that's what I've been doing. So you see how it comes back. Right? We should never say, how come they only gave me you got to remember, God has a million and one ways to get you something. And so if it doesn't come from the people you think it should have came from, he'll get it to you 500,000 other ways. Because he's God. The principle is true no matter how you slice it. Okay? So he which sows sparingly will also harvest sparingly. Then he who sows or scatters bountifully will also harvest bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Now, if you look up this word purpose in the Greek, it means intent. And how I many know we have usually already determined the intent before we ever show up at church? That actually happens away from church, right? So he says, so, so he's giving us some insight then that giving is a really a matter of the heart. It, it has so much to do with the condition of a person's heart. He says here, so let each one individually give as he purposes in his heart. That is not a sermon. Come on, somebody. That is not a book that you read. That is a personal relationship with God. That is an issue with my relationship, my prayer life, my word life, how much revelation I have. Come on, somebody. That's a heart issue. So let each one give as he intends in his heart. Then he tells you how not to give, not grudgingly. Now, if you look up the word grudgingly in the Greek, it literally means to grieve. You ever notice a lot of times when you say it's offering time, everybody starts grieving. <laughs> Can we just bring it all the way home? I come from environments that right when the message is over, 
half the church would get up right before the half the church would get up and they time it perfect. So much so, this was a, a, not a, this was a church of God in Christ that I attended. So much so, they, they blocked the doors. <laughs> Brian, and tell everybody, sit down. <laughs> then, of course, that's getting ready to have, create a situation in there, <laughs> right? People are like, man, you better move away from that door. I got to go. <laughs> Thank God for Jesus. Come on, somebody... Thank God for I've seen too much of my days just coming up, boy, in church, right? So he says, so let each one give see, according to the intent that's in his heart, but don't do it grudgingly. See, don't do it and you don't want to do it. I want you to listen to me. This is as the pastor of Linked Up Church. I am telling you, if you don't want to give it, don't give it because it's not going to benefit you if you don't want to do it. Seriously, and we don't want to make you do it because the next verse speaks to churches and leaders making people do it. So he says, don't you grieve when you do it and then don't do it out of necessity. Twofold there. Don't give because you want something from God and don't let people pressure you into giving. Don't give because you have a need and don't give because the church has a need. Don't let nobody threaten you into if you, the lights won't be on next week. If you want to have service next week, you got to give a certain amount. If you want us to stay on the air, come on, somebody. Soon as you hear that, that is your reason to not to give because they're using need as a driving force for you to give. Right? So the moment you hear a leader getting up telling you if you don't do something, then we won't, that's your cue. See, what I'm telling you is we're marching in uh, in September whether you give a penny or not. That's liberating. So if you're learning and you're listening, what you've got to understand, if God called it, he's got a million and one ways to get that done so that the leader does not have to put pressure on the people that he serves. Somebody ought to give a little better amen in that in this place, right? So it's twofold. Don't you give because you need something. And don't let the church or the leadership put you in a position where they're telling you to give because they need something. Both of those are wrong. Isn't this good stuff today? I can tell you I've never heard a pastor say that. Don't give. What? <laughs> what I heard a lot of, give till it hurts. Watch this now. Again, it's not Word of Faith, Faith Christian Center Church. Before I got to those, I heard a whole lot of, if it don't hurt, you haven't even really given yet. Anybody else in here know what I'm talking about? I never knew what I'm getting ready to read to you. Giving is not supposed to hurt. It's actually supposed to be joyous and make you laugh. Because you so, you're so excited about what's coming. All right, let's keep reading here. So watch this. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what? God loves a what? God loves a what? What kind of giver does God love? A cheerful giver is a giver who is hilarious, who is prompt to do it, and whose heart is in their giving. So all giving is done with a smile on their face and it is coming from their heart and they are ready to do it at any moment that it's required. God loves that kind of person. I don't know about you. I want to be the person that God loves because when you're the person that God loves, look at what the rest of this goes on to say. And God is able. Now, how many know we can stop right there and go home? That word able in the Greek means he's powerful and he's capable. He's powerful and he's capable enough to get done in your life whatever needs to get done. I'm talking about he can cancel all debt. He can get raises on jobs. Come on, somebody. He can heal bodies. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about he can build your business. He can grow your business. Come on, he can grow your church. God is powerful and he's capable enough to get the job done. God is 
uh, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Now, that word bound, abound in the Greek means to excel. It means to exceed. That means, folks, that everywhere you turn, grace is increasing every aspect of your life. Doesn't matter what you're involved in or what you're doing. Doesn't matter what your children are doing. You're going to see it goes all the way down to everything that concerns you. If it concerns you, then God is causing it to abound. He's causing it to increase. Come on, somebody. Whatever it is, God is causing it to abound because he puts grace on us so that he can get the glory and everything that we do can be blessed and can succeed because it makes the kingdom of God look good. And I'll prove it to you in a moment. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Let me show you further so you can see this is much more, this is much more about the harvest than it is the sowing. Right? He says he's able to make all grace abound towards you so that you having all sufficiency in all things. Well, what does that look like? That means all your bills are paid. I don't know if anybody's ever told you, but it is not God when you cannot pay your bills. It is God when all your bills are paid in full. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about all sufficient in every area. If we want to go on vacation, we don't come back from vacation to bills. The vacation is paid for before we ever go on it. And we've got money to enjoy on the vacation. I'm talking about all sufficient is if my kids are going to college, we've got the money to take care of it or they get full scholarships. I'm talking about all sufficient is that all of our cars work and they run well. We are not driving around hoping that we get somewhere. We're pulling up in style. Come on, somebody. And we look good and our cars are clean. No, regardless of the age of the vehicle, it works the way it was designed to work. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about being all sufficient in every area of your life. If I have a refrigerator, then there are groceries in my refrigerator. Come on, somebody. If I live in a house, then the bills are paid in that house. All sufficient in all areas means I lack nothing and every part of my life is amply supplied. I wish I had somebody in this building to day that would get in faith and believe God for what he's already provided for you. And all he's saying is put your heart in your giving and be happy about it when you do it. And I'll cause you to have all sufficiency in every area of your life. For need arises. Hallelujah. He said you'll be all sufficient in all things. And you'll have an abundance for every good work. You'll have more than what you individually need. Every time something comes up, I can support it. Somebody ought to believe God for that. And, it, and listen to me. And it never hurts you to do it. I said if a need shows up, don't push me out there like that. I said if a need shows up, resources show up at the same time. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to build your faith in this building today. Watch this. You're going to always have more than what you need. So that anytime God has a need or he sends you to help somebody else, you can do it quickly. And it won't hurt you either. never hurt you. It'll only bless you. You want a little bit more of this today? Watch this now. As it is written. Now, anytime we see as it is written, he is quoting from the Old Testament. So he's literally telling you that what you should look like is where this came from. And he's quoting from Psalms 112. Turn there very quickly. And he's going to paint a picture of what your life should look like. Psalms 112. Are you there? Amen. Stanza one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
That's not what praising the Lord looks like. Some of y'all, that'll hit you on your way out to the car. But he's showing you what you're supposed to be. See, that's a happy person that every time they get an opportunity, they're going to give God the glory that's due unto his name. See, a Psalms 112 man or woman, that's who they are. Praise the Lord. Don't try to force it now. It should, it should flow naturally from your heart. I want to give you another opportunity. I can't read the rest of this if you're not going to give him the glory that's due unto his name. Very first stanza said, praise the Lord, hallelujah. hallelujah. Come on, if, if that's all you can do, then just say hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe that's all you can do. But I'm telling you, God has been better than you, then you're giving him the glory right now. And that's a part of understanding what you've received and what's on your life and how well he's graced you and how far along you are in life and how your business is doing. It's a revelation of knowing that God is the one that brought me to the place that I am. And anytime I get an opportunity, I'll open up my mouth and I'll give him the glory that is due unto his name. I will shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are good. So he says, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm reading the Amplified. He says, blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man that fears the Lord. Anybody in here fear, fear the Lord? Anybody in here fear the Lord? Well, come on. Say this like you mean it. Say, I am blessed. I am, blessed. I am fortunate. I am, I am prosperous. And I am favored by God. Now come on and give God the glory for that. Come on, give God the glory for that. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this is what he's referring to. That he built all of our lives to look this way. He says here, with all inspiring reverence and, and worships him with obedience. See, this is an obedient person. See, they hear the word of God that you've been listening to for the last four weeks and you don't debate it. You don't argue with it. Come on, somebody. You say, God, you said it. That settles it. That is the final authority in my life. And I'm going to worship you with my obedience in this area of my life. Let's keep going here. Then he goes on to say, they delight greatly in his commandments. This is a person that loves the word of God, loves their prayer life. Then it says, his descendants will be mighty upon the earth. That's his children, folks. Listen to me. I would rather have my daughter up here on this stage getting a $1,500 scholarship than you giving me $5 million. Give me good kids over money all day long. Come on, somebody. Give me good kids all day long. And listen, neither one of my kids are perfect. Come on, somebody. And God constantly reminds me, especially when I'm going in on my son, he constantly reminds me, what were you doing at 16? And then I got to pull off of that boy. Come on, somebody. And I got to realize how much grace God has extended to my children for them to be the way that they are at the age that I was when I was worse and I was terrible and I was hell ridden. Come on, somebody. And I've got kids that aren't that way. That's a promise to every believer in this room. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. Come on. Somebody said, wealth and riches are in my house. Wealth and riches are in my house. Thank God for it right now. Come on, because it's coming to your house. It's, it's on the way. It's already there. Glory to God the greater revelation you get it and his righteousness will endure forever light arises in darkness for the upright that person whenever they get in trouble whenever they get in a dark place then revelation knowledge light of the word of God just springs up wisdom in their spirit they supernaturally know what to do when to do it and how to do it every time they get in a dark spot then the light of the word of God come on will shine into that situation and cause that person that man or that woman to get the answer that they need and they come out victorious every time. Am I ministering to the right person in this house today? 
This person is gracious and compassionate and righteous and upright and in right standing with God. David said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the uncompromisingly righteous, come on, forsaken or his seed out begging bread. It's something about when I know that my life is right with God and I'm in right standing with God. There's nothing that I can give that he has not already given me back more and in abundance beside. Something about when I'm in right standing with God, a good God cannot leave me in a bad situation. Come on, somebody. It's something about a good God that when the whole world comes up against me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's something about a good God. Come on, somebody, that no matter what life throws at me, God sees me through. Come on, anybody in here know that they are in right standing with God? This is what he's describing and he's referring back to in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Notice what he goes on to say. It is well with the man who is gracious and lives. Somebody say, it is well in my house. Oh, it is well. This person is generous. They're gracious and they're always lending, which means if you're always lending, you're not borrowing. See, you missed it right there. His kind, he conducts his affairs with justice. He will never be shaken. The righteous will be in remembrance forever. He will not fear bad news. His heart is steadfast. Bad news means nothing to this person because they know even though I got bad news, because I serve a good God, He's going to bring good out of this bad situation because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. Bad news means nothing but an opportunity to this person. Okay, what happened? Who left? Who did what? God, go ahead and show out now and bring good out of this situation. Bad news means nothing to a person who is in right standing with God. Come on, do I have anybody in here who is in right standing with God? You don't have to be shaken. Come on, you don't have to be stressed out. You don't have to stay up all night. You don't have to lose any sleep over a bad report. Whose report will you believe? Choose to believe the report of the Lord. And then watch this. While he looks, his heart is upheld. He will not fear. While he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries, he is given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. God's going to give you and bring you to a place of authority and honor. Listen to me. If you study that out in the original Hebrew, he's going to bring you there by right means. You won't have to do anything illegal. You won't have to play politics. You won't have to kiss nobody's butt. Hello, somebody. Oh, I'm preaching better than you saying amen in here. It's going to cause your horn. He's talking about authority and honor here. Somebody say, I'm a Psalms 112, man or woman. Whichever one you are. Now say it. I'm a Psalms 112. Say it. Now give God glory for it. Now I'm done. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's close it out. See, as it is written, my, our best friends were in town on last week, and I will never forget this. They were in town, Bishop Davis, Pastor Abraham, talking about the teaching that's going on in their city. Really, it's going on all around the world with the revelation of grace. And so with the revelation of grace, you no longer have to teach the Old Testament. And what churches are saying is I'm only teaching the New Testament. Only. Then why would Paul say as it is written? Why would he say go back? In the New Testament, under the dispensation of grace. Folks, it's just like young people. The Old Testament was written for our learning and for our admonition. If you're raising teenagers today and just, just young people in general, they don't like the wisdom of the people who've been there before them. And they miss something with that. Most want to run out and do their own thing and do it their way. 
You see that in teenagers. You see that in this generation today. It's really an instant gratification generation. You know, you'd be hard-pressed to see somebody serving a church today for 20 years waiting on an opportunity, right, and go through all of the different proving grounds. See, because if you can't grow a department, just like I tell my children, wisdom, us getting to 50, means we've had that privilege of already looking around the corner. And so we've been there. <laughs> and we know what's waiting on you. So what we're trying to do is give you some stuff to put in your toolbox. So that when you need it, you can use it. Well, anybody here know what I'm talking about? Listen, I don't care how, what your age is. I'm 50. But if Apostle Price opens his mouth, I'm listening. And I'm not just listening. I'm doing now, I might add my, what, what's going on with me, but I'm going to hear that and add that. I'm not going to blow it off like he's so old that he's forgotten about. He got to live to be 86, 87 for a reason. We need to respect our elders. I said we need to respect our elders. Come on, I, I said we need to respect our elders. Right? Let's close this out. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. Now you got to remember, if you are a sower, he will always give you seed. Did you hear that? So now every time we've given, I'm going to give you some secret sauce here. I'm taking a little extra time because the next service I won't be able to. So I want to get it all out. I'm going to give you some secret sauce here, folks. Okay? At the age of 22, is my daughter still sitting in here? She can quote this front and backwards. At the age of 22, I decided to partner with God, which simply meant, God, everything you put in my hands, I'm going to honor you with 10% of it. And I made him my business partner at the age of 22. I am now 50, 28, 51, 29 years later. I couldn't tell. I was getting ready to say 30. Why are you all laughing? I really mean that. That's how I feel. No, I'll just kid. All right. Again, I'm going to give you some of the secret sauce here, okay? And so for 29 years, I've never had a bill go unpaid. I'm giving God all the glory for this. All right? Watch this now. I've had perfect credit score my entire adult life. Perfect. Not slightly below. Perfect credit score my entire adult life. Here's the real beauty of it. Everything that I put my hands to... I'm giving him all the glory for it. He's caused it to look like Psalms 112. Every aspect of it. So if I coached, I coached Brian right here. It didn't, didn't matter. If I coached, worst record we ever had was 22 and 6. We won state championships. Doesn't matter. If I ran a camp, he's sitting right here. It's the most successful camp in the city of Detroit. Really didn't matter. If I was a youth pastor, it became the largest in the United States of America. If I was a camp, it really didn't matter. I'm giving you some secret sauce here. Because I made God my partner Amen. in everything. I'm not saying any of this to brag. I'm here to motivate you. This is not happening by accident, folks. The two biggest givers in this church since this church inception is my wife and I. And I promise you we don't make the most money. The biggest givers division forward, my wife and I. I'm just giving you some of the secret sauce. So when you see stuff happening to us the way it happens, you can understand why. I just watched my daughter receive more money than I've ever seen a high school graduate receive in my life. Most of it from people that she never met. Who I was there, a lot of it. Who I was their youth pastor. And they remembered when I showed up at their graduation. She just received a check on yesterday, two days ago, for $500 from one person. And I don't know how far you all go back. I remember when I graduated, all I got was a card. <laughs> but uh, what I want you to see here, then he begins to partner with your children. 
And then she says to me, if she was in here, I'd bring her up on the stage. She, she was in here. I taught her how to partner with God her whole life. She said, Dad, there's been one time in my life where I missed my tithe one week, and then I, I missed it for several weeks. And I noticed at the same time, my money started being depleted, and I didn't have as many opportunities. She said, Dad, the moment I picked it back up, and this is what she said, I didn't even go back and make up what I didn't give. I just picked it back up because that's the grace of God. And I just saw my income increase and my opportunities increase. This will show up in your children. Giving you some of the secret sauce. See, we want God to bless everything that we do without making him a partner in it. i give you one more. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell corporations and organizations to tithe. Linked Up Church gives away 10% of its income every year. And give God all the glory for it. Okay? Trying to teach you something here. Because I just believe fundamentally that if I make him my, our partner at Linked Up Church, he's going to bless everything that we do. So much so you end up buying a building that appraises for one million more than what you paid for it pre-construction. See how this works? Are you all getting anything out of this today? I know I'm taking a little bit more. Let me go ahead and close it out. So he gives seed to the sower. See, if you're a sower, bread for your food. But notice, he only multiplies the seed that you sow. Did you see that? So if you eat your seed, come on, somebody, do something else with your seed. He doesn't multiply it. So now the seed that I was supposed to sow, it ends up not multiplying. And usually I end up losing what I had. It's good stuff today. I'm a little over my clock, but it's worth it today. All right, watch this now. Then he increases the fruits of your righteousness. That means the effects of what you do. So that means if you fed 100 people, the next time you're going to be able to feed 1,000. Come on, somebody. Everything that you do, he increases the effects of it. He takes little stuff, and then he makes the whole world know about it. Listen to me, folks. The whole world will know about Linked Up Church. Not for us to get any glory, but for him to get all the glory. And I'll tell you why. Because there will be no church in the world that will help more people than Linked Up Church. I'm going to tell you what God told me. God told me that he's responsible for building the church. We're responsible for growing the people in the church. And if we'll grow the people in the church, he'll build it. Amen. Hallelujah. So just focus on growing the people. While you are enriched in everything, that literally means, verse 11, you are made rich in every area of your life. With all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Two harvest principles here. Number one. You will always reap more than what you sow. Can you all see that clearly today? Number two here, we reap for a double purpose. Okay? Don't lose this. This is so important. We reap for a double purpose. First is bread for your food, so your immediate consumption. So remember, you don't work for a living. You work for a giving. And you live according to the seed that you sow not the paycheck that you receive. So you can live at a higher level than your paycheck when you partner with God and let him multiply what you sow. Are you all catching this? Okay, I would have said more, but I'm out of time. And then the second part, seed for sowing. So the, that meets your future needs. And so the seed that you sow today, how many of it's setting you up to meet whatever future needs that may come in your life? And at the moment when you need it, it was the seed that you sowed yesterday that showed up today. Did you all get anything out of this today? Come on. Did you all get anything out of it? Let's just lift both hands right now and give God all the glory. Just go ahead, lift both hands, give God the glory for what you heard. I took a little extra time today because I wanted to get it all out, and I didn't still get it all out. 
but I believe I got enough of it out today because I've got to cut it real short the next service. And so, Father, for every person in this room today, my prayer is that they had hearts to hear today, hearts to receive, Father. They didn't hear some gimmick today. They heard the holy written word of God. And their hearts will respond accordingly, Father. And I pray that as they do, may your word be true. Touch every aspect of their lives, where they work, their children, their homes, everything that concerns them, Father. May your grace just abound towards them so that they're all sufficient in every aspect of their lives. I thank you, Father. Match their obedience with a greater level of grace. In Jesus' name. Now, very quickly, if you're in this building today, just look up here at me for a moment, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Here is the greatest invitation that can ever be extended to man, and that is to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Right here, we're not asking you to come and join the church. We're asking you to be a part of the family of God. So if you don't know Jesus Christ today, let me pray with and for you. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I'm already saved. But I've gotten away from God. I've gone back out into the world. I know the life that I currently live, God is not pleased with. And you're saying today, Pastor, I want to repent. I want to come back to Christ. If that's you, I want to pray with and for you today. Thirdly, if you've never been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll hear us talk a lot more about this uh, as we head into our new building because it is a gift that you will need in these last days. And so if you've never prayed in other tongues, you want to learn more about that today, I want to pray with and for you. And then finally, if you don't have a church home, but you believe God has led you to Linked Up Church, then I'll be happy to receive you. My wife and I will pray for you every single day of our lives. And every time you come in this building, our goal is to make sure that you get the Word of God and the Word of God only. So now, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed in prayer.